Preceding the performance for the pleasure of its patrons, the greatest show on earth proudly presents a scintillating Sega, excuse me, a scintillating siege of silly surprises and a mood-setting medley of ten barn... Oh, it's hard. It's really well, tough. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a whole style of writing. This yeah. is a, that's a circus Yeah, yeah. one oh four four seven. The descriptions, too, of it. This is the circus. Oh, it, did you go to the circus? That's a truly zen experience, What's to go that? to the Ringling Brothers Barman Valley Circus. I went uh, uh, with Kathy. Uh, oh, the Kathy to see about uh, a year and a half ago, and we sat in the first row. Just, uh, yeah, I took yeah. My, my kids. And oh, I, what I, a I, thrilling, incredible experience. The acts at the circus these days are of the highest, most stupefying quality of, of human endeavor. I mean, they, they are Zen masters, all of these people, and they've got like three rings of incredibly talented, marvelously dexterous people going, doing, going, going like insane crazy at time. this insane pace. Uh, there's this one act, uh, a girl who who puts a, a, a knife in her mouth <clears throat> with a sharp point, and she balances on the point of that knife, a sword. Let me, let me find the description. I'll read the description of this act to you for $5. So there. Ah, so 6810447. We'll read it when we get the next and $5. And I worked with the director of the circus, Richard Barstow. You did? Uh, yeah, doing a show director in Ohio. Director of the circus, huh? Yeah, doing The Sound of Music. He directed it in The, in the, the Rings. The, uh, what do you call that theater? The Theater in the Round? Theater in the Round, Circus yeah. Tents, where they did musical comedies. Goober, Ford, and Gross have a whole a And he did the circus in those same tents? No, no, he There's directed, he's directed the circus for 15 years. He's been in Ripley's Believe It or Not over a hundred times. For different things he For does. different things. He walked on toe shoes from Washington to New York, for no. example. No. Yeah. He was forced oh. to go into the dancing business to advertise a show he was doing. He walked, but walking he, on he toe shoes, how long did it take him? It took him, uh, so, uh, I guess five days, something like that. I haven't talked to him for a long time. Walked on his toes? On his toes, all the way. No! Yeah. He also has been in six elephant stampedes and survived. He directed the first industrial show, and his name is Richard Barstow, and I wonder if he doesn't live here in Los Angeles, and if he does, I'm going to see if I can get him on the show, oh, he's, he's the been, most incredible I man. I just found his picture here. He's been yeah. in the circus for 21 years. That's right. Yes, indeed. Man. The circus is just right for Zen, man. Yeah, Zen and circus that. go very oh, you can well some the other ones like. A man who rides the high wire doesn't have to fear about life and death. He only has to know about where he is. Very Zen experience. 6810447. Let us know you're there. Let us know you're listening, having a good time, and donating to Zen. They need the bread. They are the bread. You've got it. Five bucks. A lot of people call in and give us five, ten, fifteen, twenty-five, whatever it may be. We'll make a thousand dollars by eight o'clock, and that'll make everybody happy, and we'll kind of go away from the day saying, far out, right? Hogan, a Chinese Zen teacher, lived alone in a small temple in the country. One day, four traveling monks appeared and asked if they might make a fire in his yard to warm themselves. While they were building the fire, Hogan heard them arguing about subjectivity and objectivity. He joined them and said, There is a big stone. Do you consider it to be inside or outside your mind? One of the monks replied, From the Buddhist viewpoint, everything is an objectification of mind, so I would say the stone is inside my mind. Your head must feel very heavy, observed Hogan, if you are carrying around a stone like that in your mind. That's right, you can always catch him, man. Get him either way. What if he had said it was outside my mind? And he could say, well, what are you talking about then? <laughs> oh, boy, he had it both. He had it covered, Joel. Have you noticed that the, they that threw the, the rock Zen, yeah. the Zen dialogues... Is that the man? Get out of here, Fido! <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
These Zen dialogues are just like old vaudeville routines between two old vaudeville comics. That's right. Ah, uh, let me tell you what the Zen master said. Yes, yeah, yeah. what did the Zen master say? It's one of Not only That's that, right. but the but the circus life itself. It truly uh, is comic. Has some yes, attributes of, of Zen in in the structure around. Listen to this. Uh, the people of Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus live in a traveling city that's nine and a half feet wide, um, a half mile long, and completely self-sufficient. In fact, they live in two such traveling communities. Each edition of the show travels on 25 silver railroad cars emblazoned with the name of the show. About a third of the cars house circus management, performers, and other personnel. The rest, that's two-thirds of the cars, are tunnel cars, partitionless shells for moving animals, rigging, and bulky props from one city to another. All citizens of the circus train have pleasant living accommodations. They're categorized by sex and occupation. Hence, the clown car, the girl's car, the boy's car, and so on. Basic furnishings are provided with all quarters, but the tenants of the circus train add their own personal decorative touches. Almost everyone has a television set, usually color, and there are stereos and tape recorders enough to stock a music store. Any employee looking for food, fun, or maybe a fourth for bridge heads straight for the pie car the restaurant and social hub of the circus train. The pie car. The pie like car. Pie in the face. Yeah. yeah. Serves three hearty meals a day and stays open <clears throat> until 1 a.m. for the late evening snack trade. Otherwise, social life on the circus train is like that of any other small community. Small parties for close friends, sometimes for dinner or cocktails. There are loosely organized teams for every sport from all corners of the world, and even one group that conducts a season-long Monopoly tournament from January <laughs> through November. The people who live on the circus train are interdependent. Need a haircut? There's a juggler who barbers on the side. Have a suit or a dress to be altered? See the lady acrobat who doubles in brass as a tailor. But rarely do they go outside their own confines to fill their basic needs. The circus train has its own doctor, its own water and power supplies, and its own laws. All the comforts of home, and then some. Oh, boy, I thought when I joined the circus that there weren't going to be any laws. I'm sure glad to hear there's a lot of laws there to make you feel at home. I would say that probably the law of the circus is as, yeah. as close to being a law that everybody agrees with as anything else. Did you ever want to run away and join the circus? I didn't tell you that story. Was that, was that a fantasy of yours? No, not only a fantasy. I asked to join the Mills Brothers Circus, and they said they'd write me and tell me if I could join it. Uh, this was my freshman year at Yale. I didn't get it, so I went home and did something else. I got back to Yale my what did first you want day. To be? <laughs> I wanted to be a barker or anything. Just I wanted to join the circus. And uh, you I got, wanted to be a dog voice, a dog face boy. Forced, a dog voice, a dog voice boy. Oh, I should have brought. Wait, a minute, let me tell you. I got back to Yale sophomore year, first day, and there in my mailbox from freshman year was a letter that arrived on June 7th from the Mills Brothers Circus, accepting. Oh, oh my gosh! Oh, you could have been somewhere else somewhere doing something else, around. but he wasn't, friend. And that's sure the is. secret of Zen, you yeah. see. For Six eight one zero four four seven. Let's get those phones ringing again, Six, friends. Eight, donating four, to this four, wonderful seven. cause. For what have we got 50, going here? If, if you tell me for a dollar fifty what year you were born in, I will tell you whether it was the year of the rat, ox, tiger, rabbit, dragon, snake, horse, sheep, monkey, cock, dog, or boar. That's right. <laughs> I know a couple of people born in the year of the boar. For $5, I will describe the to you the Rogana's dog. act in the circus, which is that will chill your bones right Absolutely to the marrow. Absolutely chill them to the marrow, to and the zen flesh, have, to your zen bones. We have, we have autographed pictures of the Firesign Theater right. for a dollar a piece, a beautiful color collage of uh, fills for $2 or two fifty or something like that, and another collage in black and white 
for one dollar. We have and what else is the availability uh, of dry ice rock band at right. your party for twenty-five dollars. And we've got there's the ant, the eight foot long, four foot high metal ant, available to yours for seven hundred and sixty-four dollars, which is the present total number amount of money that we have raised thus far. So and the sculptor Sergei Tien just left. So there we are, friends. He left smiling, though. Yes, I must he say. did. I think he knows that we're going to. He is going to come back. Far out. Well, well, here we are. What are the what, what are the numbers once again? The number. There's only one number. My head is with numbers these six, days. Six eight one zero oh, four four seven. That's six, right. Six eight one zero oh, four four seven. Friends, it's now six forty eight in the evening. We want to raise a thousand dollars by eight o'clock. If we can raise a thousand dollars before eight o'clock, we'll just put on one of our albums and leave. Sure. Sure. Nothing. No, to we it. won't. Somebody ripped them off. They ripped off our albums. Oh no! Out of the very studio. Ripped them off. Really? Really. Oh, the Lord. single is all that's left. The single is all that's left? No, a lot of rip-off going on. Yes, yes, yes. I hope yes. nobody yes. takes this. Rip-off. Say, listen, man. I hope nobody takes this. ripping things off, why don't you send us the value of what you ripped off and then go Somebody study some Zen. And then you, uh, then you won't have to rip off anymore. Because when you learn Zen, you'll learn how to be yourself. And if you're true yourself, no need to steal anymore. Reminds you of a story, too. It does remind you of a story? Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Maybe uh, I should give you an introduction. Just a second, I'll give you a fanfare. Look, I have to find it first. Hold on a second. Yeah, you, you well, he'll play a long fanfare. I think yeah, I'll okay. play it. Uh, One evening, as Chichen Kojun was reciting sutras, a thief with a sharp sword entered, demanding either his money or his life. Shichiri told him, Do not disturb me. You can find the money in the drawer. Then he resumed his recitation. A little while afterwards, he stopped and called, Don't take it all. I need some to pay taxes with tomorrow. The intruder gathered up most of the money and started to leave. Thank a person when you receive a gift, Shichirin added. The man thanked him and made off. A few days afterwards, the fellow was caught and confessed, among others, the offense against Shichiri. When Shichiri was called as a witness, he said, This man is no thief, at least as far as I am concerned. I gave him the money and he thanked me for it. After he had finished his prison term, the man went to Shichiri and became his disciple. <laughs>